Hey, folks, and welcome to another episode of Encourage, Build, Grow. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. I have got another great episode. I have another great guest. I always have good guests on this podcast, right? You're supposed to nod your head when you're listening to this. So no, but in seriousness, I have individual that came to me and I think the the backstory of how he is now sitting in front of me with his beautiful wife is kind of interesting. But Jeff Collins is a an engineer from Hoyle Tanner and Associates, a multidiscipline design firm based out of New Hampshire. They've got offices, I believe, in Maine and Massachusetts, Vermont, and I even think they have an outpost in Oviedo, Florida, which is where I would probably raise my hand and say, put me there, coach. But no, seriously, Jeff is a 18-year veteran of Hoyle Tanner, and he said, hey, you know, Randy, I'm going to be in Northwest Arkansas. I'd love to sit down with you. Maybe we could do a podcast. He has listened to former podcasts that I've done with my old company, and you know, I said, you know, why not? I mean, I'd love to do this, and anybody else that's listening to this, if you want to jump on a podcast with me or if you want to come visit me in Northwest Arkansas, you can do that. I took these guys out to my, uh, my Rotary meeting today and we had lunch and I got to introduce them. And it's kind of cool when you can bring people all the way from New Hampshire to Northwest Arkansas, which is smack dab in the middle of the country. So Jeff, it's so great to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting us down or at least inviting us to be on the podcast and be a part of it. Northwest Arkansas is... I think we hit the right weather. So yes, you did, you did hit <laughs> it's not, the right. Not humid and enjoying it so far. Absolutely. Well, that's good. I'm glad you guys are staying up in Rogers as you visit here. And absolutely, you caught us on a nice stretch because in the middle of the summer, it can, you know, the dog days of summer do exist here in Northwest Arkansas. So I'm glad that you guys are experiencing some mild weather to say the least. So. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself, about your background, you know, here on the Encourage, Build, Grow podcast. We like to get a little bit more information about the engineers and architects and other design professionals that we talk about and, you know, understand the individual, the person, right? You're more than just the designs that you're able to create. You're more than just the conversations that you have with clients, that you have with stakeholders in your community. I mean, there's more to you than that. But I'd certainly like to just give the audience just a little taste of who Jeff Collins is. All right. Well, I've been at Hoyle Tanner for. 18 years, I mostly focus on highway, roadway design, big projects, little projects, prefer the larger project myself. <laughs> Outside of the office, I do have a great family. I have my wife and three children that keep us busy, always running around when they're, you have a set of twins that will change your world instantly. And then a younger one, we were crazy enough to go after having additional children after having twins the first time. So it's all about chasing them down some days, but it definitely has brought joy to my world more than I ever expected. So that's awesome. So it's not only work, but family is very important and that's, you know, what keeps you going. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what got you into engineering in the first place? Oh, let's see what got me into engineering, probably because I was good in math. One of those old school, like, oh, you're good in math. You should be an engineer. I didn't really know what engineering was when I was in high school pre-internet days, I guess, right, 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 right. <laughs> to date myself a little bit. So I didn't really know too much about it. And just talking to, with people and learning about it just was intriguing. So I went, I went to Clarkson University. And so, yeah, just the fact that we're math kids nowadays, I call them kids, but 
young men, young women coming out of college today know way more about what engineering is even before they go into college. Just you can Google anything and, you know, they have a good understanding of what it is. We actually have an intern right now at Oil Tanner and I think he's got like his next 20 years mapped out, right? That's <laughs> at least what it feels like. Right. He just knows so much more of yeah. information is so much readily available that than it was 1995. Oh, so. I mean, absolutely. Was that the year you graduated from college? That was high school. That was high school. So, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're a few years younger than me and, and I would say you're probably at the tail end of Gen X. What year were you born? So I was born in 77. Yes. So, so yeah. I get, so you, I get tail end of Gen X or maybe a millennial, depending on which. Well, millennials <laughs> started in 82. Yeah. So anything after 82 through 90, technically 97. Yeah. And then okay. like your kids and my kids are all Gen Z and that's a whole different <laughs> ball game. But you bring up, you bring up a really good point is that, you know, the young people coming out of school now are so much more advanced than we were coming out of school. Of course, we didn't have Google. We didn't have any of that technology that's at their fingertips now. And I think sometimes design firm leaders, and I'm not picking on any one in particular, but just in general, still look at them the way they looked at you or I when we were coming out of college in the 90s or sometime around then that, you know, we don't really know anything. We've got to put our time in. And at some point in time, someone will tap you and say, okay, young man, okay, young woman, Let's now you're going to do some work. Right. And these kids that are coming out of school nowadays are like, you know, put me in coach. I'm ready to go right now. They want to work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, that is a challenge that we see in this industry. Some industries are quicker to put these young people to work and like really put them to work and not tell them, you know, the old refrain that, you know, just put your time in, just give me 10 or 15 years. And then that's when the fun will start. Yeah. You, nobody wants to hear that no, <laughs> anymore. They don't, they don't want to hear that anymore. And I would imagine that you come in contact with that all the time, especially with the young people itching to get out there and get their feet wet. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I mentioned the one intern, but we've had some great entry level staff come on right out of college the last, say, two to three years. And they do. They want to get their hands dirty. They get a bad rap, I think. You know, I don't try to say millennials are. They don't know what they want. I mean, the ones I've come into contact, they know what they want. Yeah. And they know how to get what they want because they can just look it up and they can, you know, if they're not getting what they want at your company, they're going to be looking and trying to find it somewhere else. So kind of being in the middle of at Hoyle Tanner, I kind of recognize that and trying to, you know, one of my goals is to keep people that are good people at Hoyle Tanner. Right. And encourage them and help them build, build them up and help them grow. Kind of the name of your encourage, build, grow. So, right. Well, yeah. And that's part of the reason why I even created that name because it's, there is a logical progression there. You want to encourage people as they do things, as they make mistakes, help them up. You want to build them up. And then ultimately you'll see them grow. You'll witness the growth that takes place there. So I think that's important. Talk a little bit about what you have done or what you've tried to do with the younger people in your office or that you interact with within your company to help them develop themselves and maybe even progress faster than even you did at their age? That's a great question. It is giving them responsibility. That's what they want. That's what everybody wants, right? Yeah. If you give people responsibility, they're going to feel ownership on it. And if, if you're just giving someone a task to do, then they don't have ownership of it. But, you know, trying not to micromanage, but say, 
this is what you need to do. Questions, the door is always open. Come on in. I'll be here late, early, whatever <laughs> works for you. Because not only by helping them grow, that helps me grow as well. Kind of, you know, well, I sometimes I forget what I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what I've learned and how do I share that and pass it down? Because there's stuff that I want to learn and grow into as well. So yeah. if you don't teach someone to do pieces that you were doing, you can't grow yourself. So, well, uh, that's perfect. And I also think people need to remember the quickest way to learn something or to learn something new is to teach it to somebody else. The quicker you can do that, it's not like you take it and then you put it in some reserve space in the back of your head where you're like, one day I'm going to pull this out and share it with the world. It's like, no, as soon as you get something, some revelation of information, some revelation of knowledge, some understanding about your craft or your trade, whatever you're doing, you need to then teach that to somebody else. Grab somebody and you know, just say, hey, I just learned this. I want to share this with you because I think it might be beneficial for you. And too often, I, I think we don't do that because we, we feel like we need to get to a certain point before we can actually share what we know. When in reality, it's an iterative process that happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. We, so kind of a struggle, but you know, I try to share stuff I learn. We have different resources, email obviously being the maybe the least effective with the amount of email people get, but in different resources like SharePoint site or something like that, where, you know, if you learn something, we try to put it up there and kind of growing piece of our culture mm -hmm. is to share that information and become almost a secondary Google. So it's because there's things that you can't find on Google that are company specific, but you need to share that information out there. Yeah. And so doing that, teaching them, you know, kind of where to look for answers is part of it as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always tell the joke I would always have with Mark Zweig when I worked with him directly was that, man, Mark has forgotten more than most people know. And it's like, how do you take what's in his head or with what's in any leader's head that knows so much? How do you take that and transfer it to other people? And I think it's it's important for firms to figure out ways to get their leadership involved early and often when it comes to mentoring, when it comes to a number of different ways to translate what individual what they know because they know so much and I'm sure there's a lot of people there at Hoyle Tanner that know a lot and you know maybe they're sitting behind a closed door I don't know but I think it's really it's really important for you to come up with ways to kind of develop that and you know I always said man if you could just jack into somebody's brain and pull out all the pertinent knowledge <laughs> and information that would be valuable like Mark yeah. Mark Zweig's brain like we've always like How do when, you download that? When I worked with him, we would always, you know, he came up with all these different things like ask Mark and question Mark and all these, you know, funny, we're trying to be funny. But the, the thing was like, I can ask him about anything within the design industry realm and he's got an answer for it. And I would say like eight times out of 10, it's a legitimate response. Right. And I'm sure there are people at Hoyle Tanner, there are people at other firms that have that ability and uncanny knack for just relaying and, and translating information that are helpful to other folks. And I mean, those individuals, first of all, they need to be tapped on to help out. And even if you are listening to this and you're like, well, Randy, you just don't understand. I'm, I'm just not a people person. You know, I like to look yeah. down instead of look up in people's eyes. That's okay. You can overcome that. We can help you with that. But the idea here is that you can't let all that knowledge that you've built up over time you know, that can't go to your grave with you and not be transferred to somebody else. You're 18 years in, you're still a young guy. You've got a lot to share with folks. Right. So you've got to make sure that you're constantly creating opportunities 
for other people to kind of step into what you've done by teaching them and showing them, hey, this is the way, this is how you do it. You and know, it's like the Yoda approach. It is. <laughs> so. And even after 18 years, you know, just over the last couple of weeks, I've been working on a project that I had no idea about two weeks before. Right. I'd never done a lot of stuff with looking at floodplain areas and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, like I have this project and I'm getting involved. Like there's always more out there to learn. Yeah. Even after 18, 20, 30 years. One thing I've learned and probably need to share more often is even being a younger staff, and I consider myself a younger staff, is ask the people that are older than you. Ask the people that have more experience than you. And one of our growing things is trying to share information, the institutional knowledge of Hoyle Tanner. And usually there's no, we always want a mentor, mentee type of relationship, coach, student type of relationship. And those things are kind of difficult because someone needs to ask the question first. Yeah, That's the key. So until someone is the first one to move, then nothing will happen. So, And that's, think- a, that's a good point. That's a really good point because I think, and this is for the young people listening to this, you have to open your mouth. You've got to speak up. And, you know, my grandfather used to say, are you man or mouse? Squeak up, you know, say something. <laughs> and uh, it was, you know, I got it because, you know, I've said this a million times, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. You have to open your mouth and ask for anything that you want to know. And if you're not clear about something, say something. I mean, nobody expects you to know everything, but we do expect or we should have a reasonable expectation that if you're unclear about something, that you're going to raise your hand instead of just sitting there not wanting to look dumb because you're afraid that people are going to judge you because you don't know something that maybe they know. Right. And that's that's a dangerous place to be, especially in the design industry where you're designing roads, structural engineers are designing buildings, architects are designing buildings that could kill people. Yes. And it's important to speak up early and often. Right. And not only just to speak up, but to really speak up. One of my other podcasts I listen to or is Simon Sinek. Yeah. Probably a lot of people that listen to this podcast will know Simon, but I remember a story of him saying that he was in a meeting and he was maybe the, I don't think Simon's dumb, but he said he was the dumbest one in the room. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he started asking questions as a topic he wasn't aware about. And then as soon as he started asking questions, everyone else around the table started nodding their head that, yeah, I don't understand that either. Right. But because he asked the question, then other people started asking the question and saying, I don't understand either. But Absolutely. It's usually not just you around the table that doesn't understand. There's probably someone sitting to your left or right that doesn't understand well. Yeah, it's called saving face. And everybody wants to save face as opposed to just saying, listen, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. So I think it's important. And you bring up Simon Sinek. He's got a new book coming out, which is absolutely, I think it's going to be a game changer about leadership. I mean, he wrote Leaders Eat Last and Start With Why and have you read any of those books? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah. So it's <laughs> all of them, and I'm waiting for and, the new one. Right. Yeah. And that's that's coming out soon. And and that book was actually loosely based on another book on on game theory that was written back in like '86 or something like that. And the name is escaping me right now. But Simon is the man. I read Start with Why. I actually went through a Start with Why training with his partner. Okay. Down in Texas actually just about a year ago. And it was a game changer. I mean, it really impacted me and yeah. it just reminded me of what my why was. It actually made things a lot easier when I left my former company to step out on my own and start Encourage, Build, Grow and also start the other podcast that I do. It gave me much more confidence because I knew what my why was. And 
why I why I'm doing the things that I do on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So and I have my why like stave on my phone and it's just I keep it very it's very clear to me what I need to be doing. Now part of it is like how do I monetize that? How do I do that? I mean, you <laughs> yeah. know, some of it is like, well everybody asks the question. It's like, okay, great, I know my why. Now can I feed myself on this? Or and I think the reality is is that you actually can. You just have to, you know, when you do things that you really love to do, people see it. They understand it and, you know, things doors open up for you. Yes. And there's another expression I love, which is your gift makes room for you. And everybody listening to this podcast has a gift. They need to figure out how to do it, especially within the confines of an organization. Even a design firm, which I know can sometimes seem rigid to people, you just have to go within that the construct that you're given and make the best of it and let people see who you really are. Right. And I think that's really valuable. And it sounds like you've had, you know, you've had some success doing that. What other pieces of advice would you give to some of the younger generation that's just now cutting their teeth and teeth in a design firm? And kind of making their way and, and not necessarily using Hoyle Tanner as an example, but just in general, knowing what you know, 18 years in now, what would you say to a young engineer coming out of school about the best way to position themselves? You've mentioned a couple of things about speaking up and that, but, and, you know, even from a technical side of things, what would you, what would your encouragement be to them? First, something I've done really poorly at is get out there, Yeah, get involved with organizations outside of your own company. Yep. It is valuable. I've seen it probably a little unfortunate too late, but it's never too that, late. That's part partly why I'm here. Yeah. I'm I'm getting more involved, you know, whether it's ACEC, if there's something else you want to get involved in, you know, just speak up. Usually anyone above you that sees you wanting to be more involved, they're going to support you. Yeah. The more people you know, the better off you're going to be. It's the saying of it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. It turns out to be true most of the time. <laughs> it is. It is true. And like I tell people in some of the project management trainings that I've done, I've never seen, if you go out, okay, this is for anybody working in the design industry space, you need to build relationships. Your clients need to be friends. You need to be able to be on a first name basis with them, have a conversation with them, be real and transparent with them. When you make a mistake, let them know if there's a problem with them. They're going to let you know if it's a real two-way street. But I've told people over and over again, I've never seen a friend fire a friend. It just doesn't happen. Right. But a client will fire you in a minute. And that's because that's you've kept a distance with that individual and you haven't really built, which is my favorite R word next to Randy, which is relationship. If you don't build a relationship, an intentional relationship with your client, you will miss everything. And friends... Don't fire friends. It's the case that we, that you'll see over and over again, especially in the design industry. And I'm constantly reminding engineers and architects of this truth. It's a maxim that I stand by. And even when there's a problem, if you legitimately have a relationship with someone, you can figure out a way to work it out. Or if you do, if they do have to let you go for one reason or another, because I get it, it does happen from time to time. You're never going to be blindsided by it. It's usually going to be, hey, just want to let you know in a couple of months we're we're thinking about making some switches or some changes right. and here's why. Well, you know, you yeah. get you get that advance notice, you get that warning. You don't you're not sitting there like, "Oh my god, there's a torpedo coming our way and yeah. we're about to be blown out yeah, of the water." Right. So, I think it's just important to remember that and I think that building relationships is another thing that I would add to your list of of things that, you know, raising your hand, getting involved, 
I would say be really intentional about building relationships, both internally with your team, with the people in your organization. If you need a mentor and nobody has stepped up and said, listen, I can help you out. You need to go to somebody that you admire within your organization and say, hey, can you help me? And if they say no, then go to the next person that you admire. Hey, can you help me? And if they say no and you run out of people that you admire, then you may need to find a new firm Mm -hmm. to work for. That's just the reality of it. Right. And I'm not I mean, that's just for anybody. But the thing that I've always seen within the design industry and that I really appreciate are people that are very willing to give. I mean, I know we're a busy industry. We're always the constant refrain is there's just not enough time in the day, right? Yep. But that's that's like that in any market. So everybody can lay claim to that issue. It's just that you have to make the time to kind of make something happen. Yeah. Time with three kids. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's, it's <laughs> there crazy. isn't much, but you you know, there's there is always time. So you make it. If it's important enough to you, you'll you'll make it. And family is one thing that's important. So I make time for family. My work is also important to me, so I make time for work. So it is a, a work-life balance on Absolutely. many different levels. Some days maybe you won't see your wife, but the next day you might see her all day. So you might not be balanced every single day of the week, but when you look back over weeks and months and years, you'll find that it's balanced. Right, right. Well, no, you, you've put out some really good ideas and some good points here to share with folks, where, where do you see, I'm just curious to, to get your thoughts. You, you almost have 20 years in the industry. I think the design industry is changing drastically. It is. Where do you see things going in the next three to five years? I won't even say 10, <laughs> right? You know, Ray Kurzweil talks about 2030 and this epic event that's supposed to happen by then. And yeah. you've got this conflagration of different, different ideas and you've got AI coming on the scene and all this other stuff and people are people's jobs are being threatened. But what what do you see happening in the design industry in the next three to five years with your 18 years of experience? What are, what are the tea leaves telling you? Uh, something I'd really like to see. I don't know if it's going to come about, but is more interaction between the engineer and contractors. Okay, Construction side of it is where most of the money is. They can make a lot of money, but they can also lose a lot of money. And if you have design issues and they have to stop construction, then that's where you can lose a lot of money. Where if you have earlier communication with the contractor or contractors, whoever it is, as to how it's going to get built, you can design it. We can design anything. We can put anything on paper, but if the people actually building it can't build it or it's going to take them four times as long to do it, and if you had made, you know, two changes and they could make it in a week instead of a month, yeah. then, you know, that saves everybody money and, you know, real money. So that's, is it going there? I hope so. Right. Because money and time are the things that we can't really control. Yeah. And, uh, if we can start saving some money, like real dollars, then we can do more with the dollars that we do have. Yeah. Especially on public infrastructure. There's never enough money to fix all the red listed bridges or eroding roads or bad sewage pipes or any of that stuff. But, you know, if we can start saving millions instead of thousands, we can get the dollar to go farther. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the public infrastructure in this country has got a ways to go. I want to say it's like maybe 90% of the bridges in Arkansas have some challenges to them. I'd hate to have to know. I mean, it would almost be like if you got to like, um, if you were able to see before you actually reached a bridge, 
it would turn red and show you that this bridge is not really safe, but you know, cross it at your own, yeah. <laughs> cross it at your own risk. But uh, no, you're absolutely right. And I think that interaction between engineers and contractors, a lot of that boils down to just proper communication. I mean, you have to have that communication. And that's historically been a challenge for a lot of design professionals is that ability to communicate effectively. It is a muscle like anything else. You have to work it. You have to practice. Whether you go to Toastmasters, whether you attend a Rotary event like I took you to earlier today, whatever you do, you have to find the time to develop that muscle. Communication for each individual is a muscle. Some of us, you know, those of us that communicate really well, we take it for granted, right? Like I always take it. It's like, oh, anybody can do it. But I realize that there are some natural impediments to that. And part of it is just getting yourself out there. And, and being willing to try some different things. I tell people there are a number of different ways for you to get outside of your comfort zone. You could join a local improvisational troupe in your area. Sounds crazy. I'm not telling you that you're going to be on Saturday Night Live or yeah. go to Second City in Chicago, but it will help you to deal with situations that come up even on the fly. How do you react with an irate client? How do you deal with a stakeholder in your community, a local politician that wants things done a certain way? How do you work with, you know, a supplier that is supplying you with some of the items that you need to build or design whatever you're designing and you're having problems? It all boils down to communication and effective communication. I'm glad you mentioned the improv thing. I haven't done it yet, but it is something I've thought about doing just to get out of that comfort zone and to do something that you don't know what's going to happen and you're kind of on stage and you need to perform. And? I haven't done it yet. And but maybe I will. Okay, good. <laughs> I was being funny there. I mean, that's part of uh, improv is, you, you know, you, you don't say but or, you know, it's you want to continue the conversation and you want to develop that. I mean, I think people that are great coaches can learn improvisational skills. People that are great consultants, when they have strong improvisational skills, it allows them to navigate the minefields of consultancy and what's required of you on a regular basis. So certainly encourage people to find ways to do that. And some of these improv troops are free. You can just go out and, and do it. And, you know, we get, we have one here in Northwest Arkansas. We get together and, and shoot the gab yeah. for an hour or two and have fun and come up with all kinds of scenarios and you just run with it. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's fun just to think outside of the box. And, and I know that's a well-worn phrase, but there's some truth to that. Can you just literally on the fly come up with something and just roll with it? And that's I mean, good for engineers too. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's why people come to us because they have a problem and it's usually not in the box solution that they need. It's an out of the box solution that's required. So if you're not thinking outside that box, you might not come up with the solution. So it's always, how do you take what you have and make the best with it? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you've, you've brought up some really good points and, and uh, as we kind of get to a close here, I wanted to just, you know, kind of share with you, what, what are you hoping to accomplish in the next, you know, five to 10 years? Like you said, you're still a young guy. You've got a lot of life yet left on the shelf to do some work. And, and with everything that you're, you're dealing with, what you've shared with me about the infrastructure work that you're doing, what are you, what are you hoping to accomplish in the next, next few years? Uh, the next few years, I really hope to kind of Something I maybe haven't talked about too much yet is the information technology piece of what we deal with. It's growing faster than anyone could ever keep up with, but just sharing that information and utilizing that information to put it onto a project, right? make it 
process that may be inefficient, more efficient, not only within my own company, but across companies between consultants and contractors, between consultants and their clients, just to, you know, speed stuff up. Paper, we still deal with a lot of it, but uh, <laughs> right. I'm, I mean, there's still ways to go, but electronic is the way that's going. Can't change it. So we need to learn it and, and push that forward. It's like when people ask you for your fax number, right? Yeah, yeah. We, have, we have a fax number. It's like, um, who uses a fax? But there are, I mean, I remember we're dealing with some people and they're like, can you fax that to me? And I'm like, I don't know if I can. I mean, I, I can email it to <laughs> yeah, you. Right. I can take a picture of it with my phone and shoot it over to you via text. But, you know, and that's, I think that's part of the, the beauty of technology that it's, it's ever changing. And we have to, not that we have to change as individuals, but we have to be flexible enough to work with the way things are. And just like you said earlier, right at the beginning, these folks, these young kids that are coming out of school now are learning at a rapid rate and they can do things that we weren't able to do. And I think it's important for us to figure out how we shepherd that and direct them so that they can take that energy and use it very effectively for a firm, specifically Oil Tanner or any other firm for that matter, any other design firm that has these young people there You've got to start harnessing that power, harnessing that energy that they bring to the table and use it constructively. Don't turn them off. Don't shut them down and say, hey, wait your turn. Yeah. Because that's always, that's what you were told when, I know that's what you were told when you got Probably into the industry. Yeah. yeah. Wait your turn and, you know, we'll let you know. And you're sitting around like, wait, is somebody going to leave? You know, you're in like a white room all by yourself. <laughs> you're like, is anybody going to, is somebody going to open this door at some point? Right. No, we'll see you in a couple of years. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep- Go back and sit down at the desk. It's not like that anymore. Yeah. It's not like that. And I think younger people, they deserve more. You have to be able to develop these these folks and coach them up and kind of get them to that next level because they'll get there even faster than, than you did. And my last thought on this, and I'll let you kind of close out before we, we finish, is as a leader, your goal is to work yourself out of a job. Not that anybody's going to fire you. That's always my running joke. I'm not talking about you being fired. I'm just meaning, I'm just talking about you coming to a point where you develop someone so well that they can step in and do what you do so that you can go on and do something even bigger than what you were doing. That's what real leadership is. Mm -hmm. Most people like to hang on to what they have, to a title, to something like that. And they never want to let it go because they feel like they are devalued in some way because they don't have that particular title. But honestly, thought process should always be bigger, better. I agree. I, I've got to go to get do something bigger than what I'm doing now. 100%. And that's part of what I'm trying to do right now is share, coach other people the information I do know. You know, how do I personally take that out of my own brain and give it to someone else? Because even if I sat down and did it for days and weeks, still probably wouldn't all come out because you don't know when that situation is going to come up that that piece of information might come out of your head. So being involved and knowing that it's going to be a process, but letting the person you're coaching always know that you're there for them. Right. So that you, you know, they have a question, come on in. Well, there you have it, folks. The, the esteemed Jeff Collins from Hoyle Tanner and Associates coming to join me in Northwest Arkansas, which I really appreciate. It's one of the first people that I've actually been able to get face to face with for the Encourage, Build, Grow podcast. I'm sure there'll be more. I will have my 
equipment with me wherever I go so that if I can connect with somebody that's in the design industry and wants to be on the podcast, we'll, we'll figure something out. In addition to all the other great people that I'm going to have on this podcast in the very near future, I've got so many appointments scheduled, but I just, I'm glad you came on. So thank you so much, Jeff. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me, Randy. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you share this with all your friends and I hope Hoyle and Tanner is grateful for what they have in you and, and what your capabilities are. And definitely I want to encourage you to share this with your team and, you know, all the young people that we were talking about on this podcast, they all need to listen to this. So they can listen to Joe Rogan too, but they can they need to listen to this. So <laughs> I don't listen to Joe, but I hear he's but popular. He is very popular. He is, it's, it's actually the most popular podcast in the world, but you know, I tell people all the time, I mean, there's, I think I heard this, there's 1 billion blogs in the world. It's a lot of blogs. That's a ton. There are like 700 million YouTube channels. It's only about 650 to 700,000 podcasts. So they're not a lot. Now, not every podcast is created equal. And I'm not saying that my podcast is one of the better ones, but I think we're pretty good here. And I think you could listen in and gain something out of it. So I certainly do appreciate everybody that take, takes time out of their busy schedule, whether they're on the T, whether they're on a commuter rail, whether they're driving in their car, stuck in traffic. I don't know. You pull this out, you're on a treadmill. This is some good information for you to take in. And when you have 30 minutes or so, you know, check us out at encouragebillgrow.com. And hopefully we'll continue to bring you great content like this on a regular basis. So without further ado, Jeff Collins, again, thank you so much. This is the Encourage Bill Grow podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I will see you next week. Bye for now. 